Hello and welcome to the Younger, Smarter, and Better podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us here. Jedediah Collins is here to talk about financial management and he is a really awesome guy. Let me just tell you about him. He has played seven seasons for the NFL and has started to go into these um this area. He just released a book all about financial management, especially from going at it and looking at it from a new beginner's point of view, which I've looked at the book. It looks awesome and it reads amazingly well. So I'd like to, Jedi, why don't you say hello? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? No, I, one, I appreciate having me on this opportunity, especially uh, when I look at who I want to reach and who I want to help. I think your audience is kind of my ideal group to be speaking to. So thank you. Um, yeah, I got to go and live an amazing dream. The NFL is uh, something that, you know, a lot of people grow up as children and go out on the playground and are like, hey, I want to go do that one day. And it truly is a dream world. Um, I got to experience it and the highs of it. Uh, but what really woke me up was my relationship with my first paycheck. My first paycheck came in my rookie year and I was so excited. Um, but the reality was I, I spent that money before I even opened the envelope I, and money coming in and money going out is not exactly the way I saw my NFL dream playing out. I actually remember waking up in sweats and just worries and wondering how the heck the physical toll of the game was going to take on me and not leaving the game with anything to show for it. So what I did was challenge myself uh, while I was still playing in, in the NFL to go start learning. We, we, we've talked about it. We're both learners. I enjoy it. I, as many people have, picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, went and got you know, Kramer books, uh, Susie Orman, Warren Buffett. And finally, I, I stumbled into the CFP, the Certification of Financial Planning. And really just challenged myself to say, hey, this NFL dream was not to walk into the locker room or to become a rookie. The NFL dream is to walk out of the locker room with something to show for it. And I'm proud that I changed my ways. I became more educated and I even turned around and started teaching some other guys along the road of how to do this. That's awesome. That that's I think that's really amazing. The journey went from like realizing like waking up. I feel like there's a lot of points like that for people who you hear about like success and these different things, especially with finances and sort of things where they wake up and realize that being able to have something to show for it is really like one of the core aspects. So I know you're here to talk about finances from a beginner point of view. What is the looking at, I mean, we we can talk about current events in a minute here, but what is the thing that, especially speaking, what do you think are something for a beginner looking at finances? Where where do you start? I mean, like it, when you first walk into these areas of finances, it feels like there's a lot of people throwing a lot of different things at you. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need to have like invest in this account. Oh, you need to like save this much, emergency fund that, like this, like, yeah. all these different things are whizzing by your head. Where, how do we make it simple for people to like just step into this area? So I love that in in the book, chapter one begins with why do you even care? Uh, and why I framed it that way is because for a younger audience, you you really have to find your own reason why. Retirement, I don't use that word, and that's the last time you're going to hear me say it. Um, that idea has been kind of demystified. We we no longer are aiming for that. Truly, I look at finances and I look at freedom as our as our pivotal goal. Um, because I don't see any of us just walking off at a certain age that our parents or our grandparents kind of instilled in us. So I think our journey begins with that end in mind. 
as a professional athlete, as any athlete, as you study for school, as you have any kind of objective, you always begin with what the destination is. So in my instance, I love quantifiable destinations. So I look at my life in one year, one month, and one week. And from a money perspective, I set out for myself, what is something I can start doing today that is going to come to fruition in a year, whether that's say 500, 5,000 or $500,000. That is something I'm going to start today. The one month is what is something negative? What is a habit I can change and start to or stop doing to be more productive. And then my one week goals are learn. What can I learn about? In any facet of money, there's always something to learn. And so as I look at this, we begin with the destination and then you kind of back into a strategy. And that strategy, you don't have to be masters of the game, but it's you either going to play checkers, which is the same pieces and you move just kind of across the board, or you're going to start seeing that same board, but start playing chess and start to see each piece having a different strategy and a different advance. And then you're not going to just try to get to the other side. You're going to have that checkmate. Um, And so that's where I really like to begin with people is where is the destination? What are we trying to do? That's built on your personal scenario. Is our first goal getting out of debt? Is our first goal starting a plan? Is our first goal preparing for some kind of event? And then building out a strategy and starting to see whether a system I use called money buckets or how we're going to build out your daily processes and and routines to be beneficial. Um, so it, it, is a, it is a heavy, heavy lift to start, but truly I look at it and just say, you take one step in the right direction and you're headed in, in a good place. That's, that's a really good way to kind of like frame it, especially when you're, we're first walking into these areas. I think there's like so much going on, being able to just say like, just like look for something to learn out or if it's like, it's kind of like framing. Okay. So you walk in, you like walk into your bank or you like start a savings account. What's like the first thing, what's the first question that comes to your mind? And then how do you go and how do you go answer that question for yourself? Cause I think yes. a lot of the times when it comes down to people like starting off and looking at these new things, I think this is the philosophy that I've taken on is kind of, we have a wealth of information and a wealth of knowledge out there and it just not enough people are going out and looking. I mean, like Google, we have like in our pockets, we have the ability to go find almost any information we want there for basically free. It just takes time to go out there. So it's really kind of figuring out what questions you should be asking yourself. Where where do I want to go? Where do I see myself in the next few years? I like your way of kind of framing for finances more towards a financial freedom rather than a retirement towards an end goal because i think that's really good and it's a really different perspective to have than not a lot of people do they're like oh you know what people the one of the things that i think separates um people when they're there's two different types of people really the people who are working for the future working for today and i think when it comes down to it it's a lot harder for people who are working for some other future selves for that it takes a lot more self-discipline to do that so when you're first starting off it's figuring out how do I make today just a little bit better? How do I like get rid of debt? How do I get rid of this thing? How do I prepare for college? These sorts of things, especially going into, there's a lot of like, especially starting off life, starting off financial life. There's a lot of things that come up and hit you right away between college, getting your car, like these sorts of things just come up and they start hitting you right away. So how do you best prepare, especially for like, let's say with college, how would you suggest someone start off when they're just, all right, let's step back here. Someone starting off, they're working their first job, they get their first paycheck. What do you suggest for someone who just got their first paycheck working a part-time job? This is the first time they've done this, first job. What do you suggest they do with that? 
Excellent question. I, I want to circle back to one thing you said because I loved it. You said, you know, people start out living for today and they try to build towards that future, that that future self. Um, I, I equate this very similarly to um, being a young player in the NFL. Your first objective is just make the team. Year one, you got to make the team. Year two, your objective is make the team better. How do you as an individual make a team better? And then by the time you become a veteran and become a true pro, your focus goes to, well, how do I make me better? So it's kind of a similar progression of make the team, make the team better, make me better. That's how people deal with money is just survive, then become a saver, and then finally become an investor. And so one of the analogies I love to use is what type of or are you? Spend or, save or, invest or. Do all three of those end in OR? No, but it sounds better when you say it like that. Um, and it's really how you look at money. How long do you look at money? Is it a day-to-day thing? Is it a month-to-month? Is it a decade-to-decade? And so when I look at people and I actually facilitate a workshop around these money buckets, I say, hey, your first paycheck, what do you do with it? So you come home, and if I were to give you the five choices you have with that, that paycheck, they'd be this. The first one, we get introduced to it right off the bat, it's society. There's no question about it. You're going to pay into society, but I don't like people seeing it as a negative thing. Income tax, sales tax, whatever tax you're paying, society pays for everything in between what I own and what you own. So society is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Right now, the government is dealing with a a, a pandemic and an outcry, and they are trying to deal with it. Our taxes support them in dealing with this situation. The roads we drive on, the policemen and women, the firemen and women, all those things are supplied by taxes. Then your second choice is going to be past choices. This is anything due before the first of the month. So that's your debts, your bills, whether it's student loans, whether it's your rent, whether it's your insurance premiums, anything you know is already going to be going out that door before the first of the month is a past choice. And that is a number I challenge people throughout the book to go and actually quantify because we're going to look at ways to increase certain areas there and decrease. I don't want it to just be a negative, a limiting thing like, hey, stop spending so much money. Money is supposed to make you happy. So if one of those is actually bringing you joy, let's increase that amount and let's just figure out where we're going to reduce elsewhere. The third choice is your present bucket. Those are your daily decisions. Uh, you know, the golden rule, don't spend more than you make. So that's a very easy one to start practicing, but one a lot of people don't do. Your fourth choice is going to be that future bucket, that's savings and investing. Now, savings, again, is the month-to-month for specific situations. Your emergency fund, which will forever be known as your corona fund from now on, um, that is going to be your first insurance policy in your plan. But then you have to become an investor. You have to start to see money and have it to go to work for you. I love this saying of employ your money because it really puts it in a perspective. We all understand the relationship most of us have as spenders is I go to work for money and then I get to spend it. What the wealthy have done for so long that nobody's ever woken up and told me about or told you about or really educated the masses in our classes or school system is the wealthy go to put money to work for them. And so that's why you can sleep and make money. That's why you can go to vacation, all those things. And so you got to find ways to become an investor. And the fifth and final choice, the one I like to kind of introduce people to, because it's not a common one, is the compassion bucket. 
This fifth choice is how you give, who you want to impact. Science is actually telling us that this compassion choice is what is truly going to make our whole our, our lives more fulfilled and happy in the in the long run. So you find a person, you find a place, you find a cause you want to support. I'm not telling you to go broke on this one, but give me a penny. So 1% of your paycheck put into there. And so what I love to share with people is of these five choices, you look at your future first. So if you don't care about future you, nobody will. I made a dollar, I saved a dime. Put 10% into that future choice. A quarter, 25% is going to go into that society choice. It's a good thing. Pay into it, be proud of it, and use it. Your past choices, this is going to be a big bucket. This is about 30% because we're all dealing with student loans. We got auto loans. We got rent. We got other things that are due before the first of the month. Then we're going to look at that compassion bucket. That's going to be 1%. And then the last and fifth and final, and what I love about setting up this system and building this kind of habit is you get to that present choice and you get to enjoy going to spend that money because you know the other buckets are already filled. And so that ends up being about 34%. And what I love is to say, you want more in that one? You got to take it from one of the other ones. It's your choice, which one you take it from. You're willing to say not 34, maybe 33 and throw another percent somewhere else. That is your choice. And so what I love about getting away from retirement and going into freedom is a little bit of what you were talking about. It's a limited mindset versus uh, an abundance mindset. I see the same thing. I don't use the word budget. I don't like that word. It's limiting. It controls me. I like cash management. Why? Because I'm in control of that. That is the different mindset and mentality I really want people to start to look towards is money is a verb, not a noun. Money is something that you manipulate and use, not something that manipulates and uses you. There was just so many words of knowledge in that <laughs> part. If you're like, if you're confused on any of this, just wind it back again and just listen to that part again. Cause there's so many different things between making sure that you're controlling your money and then it's not controlling you. The different things, I especially love the compassion part that you talk about. Mm. I think that's something that doesn't get mentioned enough in this area, especially because um, like you were saying, the science shows that the same parts of your brain, like there's this thing known as the helper's high of like giving mm. to other people makes you feel as good or even better than receiving that same amount of money they've done i've read books about the statistics part we don't need to get into the details of that but there's so many things between the emergency fund and the the way that you break down it's a very it's a very elegant system it's not too complex but it's just simple enough to get started and with all of that being said i think there was one thing that i wanted to talk about a little bit more in depth was the uh, corona fund as Mm -hmm. it's going to be called (laughs) for now on um but the idea of having an emergency fund especially because what we're going through right now between the different pandemic i mean we're hearing about all of these different things that are going on between people businesses having to lay off thousands of employees and these different things all of these different things are happening because there's like there wasn't enough either foresight or these sorts of areas to have yeah. a good cushion and one of the things about finance is that like like you were saying some people they wake up in a cold sweat because they're worried about not having enough money in between here and tomorrow like if the bill shows up tomorrow will i have enough money to pay for it and a lot of times that's where people are stuck at especially when they're first looking at finances and they don't really know where to go the first thing is like do i have enough money to survive mm-hmm. and so having enough money saved set aside however you you have that money in a place and start having a portion of your money so that like 
when a bill comes up or when the bill comes due, you have that money set aside ready for it. That really helps set down some of the ease. Having an emergency fund, like you're saying, like the Corona fund or whatever you want to call it, having a three-month, a six-month, whatever money you have set aside ready so that you know if something were to go wrong, if some sort of thing, if you were to get out of your job or if your car was to break down or something like that, if some life-changing altering situation were to occur you'd be ready and have a cushion for it i think that's one of the big things especially when it comes to finances and beginning out is figuring out how to one survive like you were saying and then second thing how to have a cushion so it's not just about survival it's about building a cushion between survival and thriving and i think that's has a lot to talk about what do you think about that when going into kind of building like a cushion like you were saying the corona fund yeah and so what's really kind of telling right now is this is a very similar conversation businesses are having. We look at it from a personal perspective and we should, and very rarely do we get these examples, but businesses are closing their doors after a week and you look at it and say, well, what was your runway? Where, where, you know, as a, as an angel investor or as somebody investing in a startup, you say, well, how, how many months, really months, not years, how many months can you survive on the cash buildup you have, because that gives you your lifeblood. And so as you look at a personal plan, it's no different. I love, so I get to talk to a lot of professional athletes being a former pro athlete, and I love introducing them to the difference between rich and wealthy. Rich is making money today. Rich means, I know I know some, being in wealth management, I know some doctors who make $700,000 and have zero savings, zero emergency fund. They have to go do surgery next week to continue their lifestyle. And it's shocking. And it, you like somebody will hear that and be like, no way, that's not real. It is very, very real. And so you look at it and you say, rich is, is, is money in the moment, money today. Wealthy is how many days you don't have to worry about money. And I love that adage. I loved being in wealth management and telling people, hey, your plan you have a decade before you have to worry about any of these dollars. And so as I look at an emergency fund, that is the first cushion in your plan. Then we get into diversifying and actually having a portfolio where dollars are protected from, let's say, a market drop like 20 30% like we're going to right now. If you, you can con- convictedly say, I don't need those dollars. You only make or, or lose money when you sell. That is the number one thing you're going to hear from every financial advisor during this time. You haven't lost a dime. You haven't lost a dime. No more or less than when it was up 30% in in December from last year. You haven't made or lost any money until you decide you want out. And so as I look at rich versus wealthy, I want to empower people. And again, 10 years is not realistic for most people right now. But if you build it and you start it with an emergency fund and you say, hey, my Corona fund's at three months. In the next couple months, I want to get it to four months. Four months of my cash need. Four months of those, four months of those past choices is covered. So if I didn't get a paycheck next week, I know I can survive for four months without ha- making another dime. Then I can go and build it into my investment portfolio and start to say, hey, now I have two years two years, I would be able to survive on cash. That is an amazing peace of mind. And if at the end of the day, we look at truly what we want out of money, it is peace of mind. So I love introducing people to that idea between rich and wealthy. And when we talk about things like the Corona Fund, 
that is the beginnings of being wealthy because you're beginning to think through a plan and a strategy beyond, as you were saying, just today. Yeah, it's definitely, there's a lot to break down there. When I think it comes to more of the specific parts of things, we talk about, for someone who might have not heard this before, when we talk about the emergency fund, we measure it in months or weeks or however long period of time you can survive off of this money that it goes towards the normal funds that you might pay off. So say groceries, gas, these sorts of things. When you were to come down, first thing is like being aware of what are you spending? Like if you're spending $30 on food or coffee or something like that per month, do you have that money sort of set aside or maybe like something else, maybe gas would be a good example. Do you have like, if it takes $35 a month for you to run gas, for you to drive to work and from work and maybe go to a friend's house here and there, do you have that money set set aside in a cash for the next couple months. So that would be like, if it's $35, maybe having $70 set up, that's two months worth of money set aside in cash for that fund. So what you do is you basically, you take all of the money that you, you go through, you do a little bit of number crunching, you look at some of the stuff, maybe go in and look a little bit closer and say, all right, how much does it cost me to live? And then what you do is you take that number and you say, how much can I save? Like building up to that number gives you enough like a one month or a two month. However, you can build up that fund a little bit more, just so a little bit more nitty gritty part of this. Because I think coming from a beginner standpoint, looking at uh, emergency fund or Corona fund, as we're talking about, it's a little bit less clear. Okay, how, what number is that? And it's not like it's going to be any number for like a standard population, right? It's a number for you. What is it mm-hmm. for you for you to live off of? Because for some people, it might cost them a lot more to live, and for other people, might not be as much as you for live. And it's what well, is it for you? And I want to say and reiterate this idea that we're seeking out freedom. So. It's not, it, it begins with three months, it begins with six months, but really you continue to build that. And if you follow this adage, I made a dollar, I saved a dime. That's where that 10% goes into our savings and our future, our future choice bucket. I made a dollar, I saved a dime. You continue to dip into that and build that. And once it goes beyond an emergency fund into an investment fund, now you're starting to go six months and pushing it out, out, out until a point where you get the choice to go to work. And that's what we're all aiming to. I don't think I'm not going to just walk away and stop working. I think you get then to a place where you find something you enjoy and find something you're passionate about. Take for you, for instance, you found skills that you've turned into a way to make money that you've turned into something you enjoy doing that if financial freedom hit tomorrow, I would bet you still do some of this kind of stuff. So I love it looking at it from a beginner. Again, 10 years ago, when we were going through the 0809 crisis, that generation got a first-hand experience in one, how to, why you need to be on alert dealing with financial professionals, but two, how to really start to look at a financial plan. A lot of people have gotten a little greedy or a little fat on the hog these last couple of years because they've seen nothing but up. This is a humbling reminder that with risk or with reward comes risk. That is the innate nature of making money. Anytime someone says, I'm going to give you 10%, that means you can lose a lot more than just 10%. If somebody guarantees you 10%, run because they're going to steal from you. So this is a this is just a a horrific, horrific example, but it is a, a reminder that you need to not try to predict what's going to happen in the market or predict what stock is going up or down or predict 
You need to prepare your plan. And that's what the emergency fund does is it prepares you for quote unquote emergencies. Mm-hmm. I think especially when it comes down to the things that we're dealing with now, I think it's it's bad but great timing the examples that are coming up in today's world with current events being as they are when it comes to the coronavirus and to emergency funds as we're talking about. And I think one of the things that you mentioned that I was I was wondering if we get a little bit more there is reaching out to financial advisors, setting up a, a financial plan. I think a lot of people when they're first starting off, they don't know where to look for that. So mm-hmm. could you share with us how would you go about finding people, especially for someone going into college, these areas? Where do they go to find financial help? Well, you have the most options available to you than any time in history. Why that is, is because the financial world has changed. You are now, and why my book is called Your Money Vehicle, you are now in complete driver's seat control over your financial future. In the past, we had pensions. We could depend on Social Security. There was a lot of things that you just went to work and your future was kind of going to be taken care of for you. That is no longer the case. And so as you look at, well, how do I begin my plan? I hate to self-promote, but my book, Your Money Vehicle, is intended for just that. It's intended for the beginner to get the first 10 questions and 10 steps into their financial journey. From there, you have a lot of options around robo-advisors. Robo-advisors are a very formulaic way to build out a plan for the masses. And that's where a lot of our generation is starting. I don't need someone to give me specifics for pay and for charge me by hour to hour. I just need some good guidance on what to invest in and what to go get from a product's perspective. I look at the the world today and now there is a model growing that says, give me a few hours, two, three, four hours And we'll set up a plan for you. What I don't love about the robo-advisor is it's not specific. It doesn't measure, I mean, it can measure your your spend and it can build out some, but the sit down with a human being and talk about what's coming, what's happened, what's your relationship with money, what are your priorities, a lot of that is going to be baked out in conversation. So I would seek out something and a word I love to share is called a fiduciary. And if everybody remembers one funny word, it's that fiduciary <laughs> word. Um, and how I explain it is it'd be like going to a, your favorite restaurant and the server comes and you ask them, they're the expert in this, this field. There's a, a salad, a fish and a steak option. And you ask the server, you say, Hey, well, what's good today? And the server looks at you and says the fish, you should get the fish. The fish is going to serve you well tonight. What they didn't tell you was the chef caught them before the round and said, The fish is starting to go sour. We need to push the fish. And for every plate of fish you push, I'll give you an extra buck. Now, if that server had been a fiduciary instead of what is called a suitability clause, but if it was a fiduciary, Mm -hmm. that server would have looked at you and said, listen, I got to tell you, the fish is starting to go sour. You also were talking about having a burger for lunch. And so following that up with a steak is probably not the best option. And let's not kid ourselves. We can all use some more greens in our life. So what's the best option for you is to order a salad. Mm. And so the fiduciary has a legal liability to put your interest above theirs. That Mm. is the big, big difference in the financial world. You have to find out and seek out a fiduciary advisor. And then you can challenge them on how they get paid and what exactly they do. But the person who says, I don't have enough money for a will, or I don't know, have enough money for a financial plan. 
That is just simply untrue in today's day and age. You need insurance. You need to pay taxes. If you have any dependents, you need to protect them. You need to protect your own income from disability. You need to do a lot of things and have a lot of little gaps that the average person, me included, has never been told. And we all find out these things on our own. And so my hope and my mission is to be able to introduce people to these topics and at least have conversations get started to more prepare them for what's to come. I think that that's a really good, especially the the word for fiduciary is fiduciary. It's, fiduciary, it's such a funny word. It's such it a is great a funny. word. It's a great word. I like the way that the analogy I think really hits at home because I think when you look at the words that you hear like fiduciary, these these sort of like bigger words. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that with when it comes into walking into this financial world, right, is that there's these really big long words that kind of describe things. That once you describe it as like you know, it's it's the waiter coming up and telling you, no, don't choose this food, choose this. Yes. One instead once you describe it like that it makes it so much easier for me okay yeah that's what that means and i think that's one of the things that as we we're saying and we mentioned your book your book goes through and talks through these sorts of examples to walk you through these sorts of different these big words that you hear like maybe insurance or emergency fund these sorts of things a lot of people it's kind of a little bit unsettling i think some people just don't talk about finances enough or mm-hmm. haven't heard other people talk about it enough and so starting the conversation here also your book has a lot of great resources i'm sure and we'll put that in the description section below so you can get more information and how to get that below. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to say before we start wrapping this episode up? Uh, I would just like to end and reiterate this idea that money is the verb. Money is a vehicle that is going to get you to your destination. And if you leave here today, my challenge to you would be to write something a year from today that you want to bring to fruition simply writing it down is going to significantly increase your odds of achieving it. Then I would challenge you to hand that piece of paper to somebody else. That person has just become your accountability partner. And that again, increases your odds of achieving your goals. What I love about the book is it's much more of a workbook. It's interactive. I want you to build out your personal plan and I want you to write these things down. That's chapter 1.1 is 1.2 is what we just talked about is writing down our goals. And so as we walk through it together, we build out, well, I got to go to a bank. What questions do I ask a banker? How do I begin to build that out? Credit. Everybody talks about it. What's the best way to start using that adage? Well, now we got to go into that word insurance. Well, what is premiums and what are deductibles? And and why is this guy going to take me on a boat to understand what a premium and deductible is? Because I like stories. When we get into taxes, I go to an ice cream parlor because visuals make sense to me. And I don't want people to be overwhelmed or to feel like they missed the class. My brothers have a master's in engineering from Berkeley and a Harvard Law degree. And they ask the big, dumb jock brother about money because nobody's teaching this stuff. So my, my end would just be to see money as this verb and as this thing you're going to start going to control and making it go to work for you. Make money your employee. And I hope and, and my mission is to help you to do that. So Your Money Vehicles on Amazon, yourmoneyvehicle.com. Come check us out. Um, I would just I'd be honored to continue to share with your group because I, I enjoy this. Thank you so much. It was great. I I love to like hit again because I know we've talked about this before and I like the way that you mentioned it, writing it down, 
write it down, get out a piece of paper, <laughs> whatever you need to do right now. If you need yeah. to pause this episode, right. write it down on a piece of paper. Because one of the little tidbits that I'll share with you right now, if you think like the 1% uh, have like all this wealth, you wonder why. It's because they do certain things that the rest of the population doesn't. Mm-hmm. When it comes to taking like setting goals and stuff like that, you know what 3% of the population does? They write down their goals on paper. They put it somewhere they can see. Only 3%. You wonder which percent of the population achieves that? The 3%. The 5%, you know? I got to share this before we go. I wrote actually yesterday, so or Monday of this week, was the first kind of isolation day of the corona. I wrote down a new set of six things I want to accomplish over these next two months that we're going to be isolated. They're my Corona goals. And I wrote them down. I took a picture of them and I sent them to my two friends. And so I, you're, you're absolutely right. You, I'm a pen and paper guy, but use your phone, text it to yourself, email yourself. It's an amazing feeling to see and start to visualize your goals. So I love that. Yeah. So thank you so much, Jedi. You have been a great help. I really like the way I'd love to have you on the show again, because I think the way that you describe and walk through finances just makes a lot of sense, breaking down the analogies and the big fancy words, breaking it down so that we can understand it from a much easier standpoint. Um, Thank you guys all so much for listening to this episode. I hope that it really provided some value for you so that you got something out of it and that you have enough information to start going through and making better choices with your life. And like I say every episode, and one thing that I really want you to stick with you is to stay hungry for knowledge.